You made it, y'all. It's 420. CJ here, and this is the sound of black and brown. You know, they say Connecticut is progressive. They claim that there is diversity, inclusivity, and equity here. But with all of that, they still chose to study rent, and they act as if we do not have food or housing insecurity issues. And let's add to that list. Let's talk about our health care. They wonder why so many black and brown people do not receive said care, do not participate in mental wellness, but they fail to talk about why. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why right now, because we need to stop the husky health discrimination. What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about the fact that we have so many people who deserve to receive health care. I mean, Really, there should be health care for all. There should not be a conversation. But, you know, we have a profit over people attitude. So why not make money and make it aggressively any and everywhere? It doesn't matter what it costs. And we'll talk outside both sides of our mouth and say we care about people, but at the same time force them to spend on their assets in order to qualify for care or acknowledge the fact that they are residents of the state okay, and contributing residents at that and ignore all their contributions and deny them health care. Immigrants should not be fighting for health care. Listen, come for me, all right? You're not going to like what I'm going to say. If that just hurts you, I'm not going to impress you any further because, you know, a lot of this needs to stop. If this state is truly about diversity, inclusivity, and equity, there's some conversations right now that we really should not be having. I don't know if you knew this, but um, the House Republicans just voted to ban transgender athletes from competing in women's sports. Now, throughout the year, they've been making jabs, they being the House Republicans. You know, these folks don't want to see us, us being black and brown people, move up in life. They don't. They want to incentivize everything because that way they get to keep their money and we get to be poor. Right. One might think that this uh, husky expansion is unrealistic, but really it isn't. Did you know that these asset limits that they use to qualify people for health care and other resources funded by the state is over 10 years old? Now, mind you, that measure is over 10 years old, but your income <laughs> and the cost of living in this state is not at that level. What do I mean by that? Well, I don't know where you've been, but it's very expensive to be poor in Connecticut. I mean, it's even expensive to stand next to somebody and pump gas. It's ridiculous, right? I mean, I really don't know how people are surviving. Some people are working wages as low as $12 an hour, depending on where you're looking and going. You know, we have a lot going on here. And one has to wonder, did our lawmakers learn anything from COVID? You know, and I say that because you would think with all the inequities that COVID brought to the front. I mean, listen, let's go back in time. When COVID first started, we didn't know what was going on. Everybody was home scared. Some people bought toilet paper and paper towels, and they bought most of it. And then some people bought all the frozen food they could find. And then some people bought guns. Guns, Right. And here in Connecticut, which claims to be so progressive and cares about its people, um, we have to fight for gun control. 
you would think that the state where Sandy Hook happened, where little children abruptly lost their lives, you know, there should not be fear in a school. You should be able to look forward to going to school. You should be able to look forward to going to work. You should be able to walk in a park. You should be able to go into a driveway. You should not have to do these things with fear. And that's all that's being instilled all around us, fear. Fear at all. Fear that you won't have a house. Fear that you won't have food. Fear that you won't have a job. And now fear that you'll even be alive. I mean, it's to the point where people are starting to really grapple with reality here and wonder, should I go outside? Will I survive? These are real questions. I'm not making this up. This is real. I mean, out here in New Hallville, <laughs> in case you missed it, you know, it's hard to tell the difference between the construction and the gunshots because they kind of go hand in hand, all this noise all over the place. But we don't like to talk about pollution and all that, right? I'm saying too much. See, because there's connections to all of this. So let me go back to where I started. I started to talk about the discrimination in Husky Health. Now, recently, I co-wrote a, sorry, an op-ed which was published in the Connecticut Mirror, uh, actually yesterday, April 19th. And this is in regards to the Husky Health Program because we are asking for a coalition of us. The coalition is called the Stop Husky Health Discrimination Coalition. And we are asking for Husky expansion, right? So let me read you some out of this article. Connecticut's Medicaid program provides coverage for needed medical care for more than 1 million Connecticut residents. But there are some glaring inequities that currently exist in the Medicaid program and bills pending before the Connecticut legislature that could help address these. So there's a couple of bills that are up there that we are pushing for, right? Um, you know, because we want to see these um, income limits increase so that people are able to receive the health care that they deserve. How would you like to know that all these years that you worked and they took out all these taxes for and then in your years of retirement, you have to make a decision between should I continue working or do I spend down and live who knows how, right? I mean, I don't know if you knew this, but we really don't have that much in terms of support for our elderly, um, our disabled especially. And we do have a significant portion of black and brown disabled and elderly people in community. One has to wonder, how do they survive? Well, most of them end up trying to find some relatives to live with, right? Maybe, I mean, these days with what's going on with the lack of rent control, that's getting harder and harder to do, right? I mean, most people, when their friends come over, they like to count down the time when they leave because some people stay and they just don't go away. I mean, that's just the time when some people are looking for a place to land. Now imagine if that's what's going on with the people who are not elderly and not disabled. What is going on with the elderly and disabled? All right, so let me tell you a little bit more. So HB 6630, which has passed out of the Human Services Committee and is currently with the Appropriations Committee, would raise the income limit for Husky C to 138% of poverty, which is currently at... Um, close to $1,700 a month, you know, matching the income limit for the Husky D program, which covers adults who are under 65 and generally are not disabled and would raise the asset limit to 10000 
for a single individual, 15000 for a couple to match the MedConnect program, which covers disabled people who also have earned income. This proposal is the right, fair, and just thing to do, and it follows the lead of New York and California, which have already ended discrimination, thereby raising income limits for their Medicaid programs for elderly and disabled folks to 130% of federal poverty levels. Now, let me tell you something. This should be a no-brainer, right? Because let's go back in times of COVID. Who do you think had the most issues accessing care? Who do you think had to deal with long lines, um, probably driving up or however they got there to receive the vaccine and they weren't able to access it from having to go up stairways or, you know, just not having the mobility to get anywhere. If you guess elderly and disabled people, you guessed it right. In fact, the full list is black, brown, elderly, and disabled people. All of those encountered some serious obstacles accessing COVID vaccinations, right? Because everything was centralized. Of course, only certain people, those with the privilege, had the ability to go in, out, receive their services, and be okay. But these folks suffered. These are working people. These are working poor people. These are poor people. These are people with limited income, right? And these are also who were mostly impacted by COVID, financially, physically, and otherwise. Now, it's bad enough that COVID happened and, you know, I mean, friends in my circle have shared with me they're tired of attending funerals now. They don't want to hear about it. I mean, there's a lot of post-COVID, and we're still in COVID trauma, right? I mean, one minute we said it's gone, next minute we said, did it really leave? I don't think we really know. I don't think it knows either, and I think we just all need to be careful for the most part. But my point being that there's so much trauma that COVID left behind and so many shocking realities that we are yet really face and deal with, right? And these income levels is one of them. I mean, the losses that people incurred, I mean, some folks were unable to work. They had to sell their houses. They had to sell everything. The the housing crisis is out of control. The joblessness is out of control. So that's one part of it. But what about the folks who have limited, who had and still have limited mobility and access, the elderly and the disabled? How do you think they were impacted, especially the black and brown elderly and disabled? Who cares about them? Where's the diversity, inclusivity, and equity there? That's the question I'm trying to answer, and I'm not getting an answer at all. You know, instead I'm getting a million and one reasons why they should be ignored once again, which is ridiculous. Now, I say this is ridiculous because what I don't understand about Connecticut, after it invested so much into medical, I mean, we have insurance, we have medical facilities, we, you know, all this science and medicine thriving all over the place, but yet nobody seems to think that the medical care associated, the cost of that matters, much less the support services needed to keep it thriving and why these things need to be properly funded and also why income levels need to be realistic. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the fact that with what's going on right now, Right. So aside from the fact that we have these dated poverty levels, we also have Husky renewal time going on right now. And this is about to be a clusterfuck. And I'll tell you why. Because 
I don't know where the government's been. I mean, I'm starting to think that most of these lawmakers went on vacation during COVID, and maybe they have amnesia, right? I, I'm, I'm, I don't know, because to be quite frank, when I'm hearing and getting feedback on some of these bills that Black and Brown United in Action advocated for, I mean, disappointment is not the word. There's not just one word with it. Like, it's just not making sense. Why are these things such long conversations? And why aren't we seeing what's really, really going on? Our society is being disabled slowly but surely. That's what's happening. And it's happening in very subliminal ways. But you would have to know what subliminal racism and white toxicity is and accept that for what it is to really treat it for what it is. What did I just say? There's a lot of profit over people happening and in some very, very nasty ways. And you would think after all the losses incurred by COVID and also looking at the devastations happening in other countries. I mean, my God, when was it last night? Sudan had a whole city wipe out. You know, we're blessed to still have our houses, some of us. You know, going back to this thing with the Husky renewals, I say to the lawmakers, how the hell do you expect people to go through this Husky renewal seamlessly when there is a housing crisis, right? There's a lot of people who do not have housing, which means when you send out your paper forms, they may not receive it. Add to that that when you go to the Access Health website, it's not exactly the easiest to navigate especially for those of us who are not as tech savvy or just might be stressed the fuck out. I mean, I'm stressed out just talking about the stress though. Think about it. How would you feel if you're sitting here looking for employment and trying to fight to keep your housing at the same time? That's not that's not a vacation, man. That's not a good time. You know, that that is a lot going on right there. And again, you know, it's interesting because when lawmakers want to assert their position and win their seat, they come looking for us. But then when we go looking for them, some of them are there and some of them aren't, right? It makes me really question a lot, more than I wanted to, I might add, more, way more than I wanted to. I mean, I was looking forward to some real, real change happening in Connecticut this particular legislative season, especially because this is a longer legislative season. I mean, this is the long one. Next year will be the short one. That being said, I mean, all of this here happened with Husky and the fact that so many folks are in the midst of renewing their care, not knowing that, you know, <laughs> there's a lack of support services for them. We're not realizing that until after the fact. Some of these folks might even receive their notification because they might be houseless. I mean, we really need to stop using the term homeless. It should be houseless. A home is where your heart is, yes, that's that's the energy in it, but the house is the physical piece, and we need more people to have a house, a shelter, a tangible thing, as well as a home, right? But again, you know, I, I'm just baffled. I don't understand where the logic was aside to agree to disabled society, because how could you sit there knowing that, you know, the Husky Renewal time is going on, there's a lot of people working on the back end, might I add, trying to reach folks. So let's not discount that either. But it's going to be harder for them because some of the folks they're trying to reach, they may have changed their phone number, other contact information, their address. You know, it's a lot going on. What I will say is the state has noted that and they have 
you know, started realizing they need to get on the ground and people who are on the ground to reach these folks. We can't lose more people, man. We should have, you know, learned our lesson when we had all this devastation from COVID, but clearly we do not. Clearly we do not if we didn't realize that when the scare of paying for vaccinations came up, what happened? How many people started really panicking, man? Think about that. You know, we have seniors and disabled people who are literally struggling to survive. Why? Because they got to meet that income and asset level and they have to sell their own lifelong earnings and perishables, you know, their whatever they bought, their house, whatever, just to meet that. That's sad. So you want people in poverty to receive the assistance so you could turn around and say only poor people get it? Is that what is that the message that we want to send for real, for real? And I'm you know, I'm turning to the Democrats now and I'm saying, when when are you gonna give people their dignity back? Like, are you gonna stand up and fight for that? Or are you gonna sit here with the bipartisan foolishness? Now let me tell you something, right? I'm not pro-Republican. Let me make that absolutely, absolutely clear. Fuck Trump. I'm not Republican at all, at all. But let's not ignore the fact that we do have conservatives and liberals in our midst. Malcolm X warned us about the white liberal. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad told us the camera is the white man's narcotics, Okay. Now, we already should know that the media has been playing with us. I mean, in case you missed it too, Fox News is under a lot of fire right now, okay? And in all of this, we have communities of people just trying to survive, right? So I'm looking at the Dems and I'm saying, now is the time. Like, take note from the brothers in Tennessee, the Justins. Take note. Be that brave. Stop trying to work with these people. It's not going to work. They don't want to work with you. They will sit there and they will smile in your face and attend your graduation celebrations and whatever other functions that you might jointly attend or they get invited to or you invite them to. You know, they may play golf or, you know, have tea with you outside of the legislative session or whatnot. But guess what? These Republicans, they know how to band together to oppress. And they know how to do it very, very, very well. They want to see that. You know, they want to see this happen. Why? Because the lesson they learned from COVID is they have to protect their wealth. And if they don't do it, they could be forced to give it up. So guess what they're going to do? By hook or by crook, they're going to stick together to ensure the poor stay poor, the working become poor, and the wealth stays where it stays. Now, for them to successfully do that, they have to subliminally oppress you. And how do they do that? They restrain your access to certain commodities, goods and services, healthcare and housing, food and jobs. Come on, these are basic needs. And they're attacking them. But they're doing so purposefully Because what they're trying to say is, if we keep expanding this budget, right, we'll have too many people living off of social welfare. How will the government? That's nonsense. That is all nonsense. That is what the government is there for. The country is in crisis. We're not out here having a good time. We're out here suffering. We're seeing more and more tense cities going up. 
okay? More and more people are being displaced. Just the other day, right here in New Haven, a senior black woman was almost about to lose her housing over 50 cents. And you all telling me that there's not real gentrification and segregation? Come on. Who's doing a better job at gentrification than New Haven? I'll wait. Give us the nominations. Gentrification is in full force right now in New Haven. Yale owes New Haven child support money. You hear me? You owe us child support money. He treated us like a bad baby daddy. Got us pregnant, and he's just leaving us here to take care of it, and it needs to stop. Our health care is in ruins. We should, have, we should have seen that. I mean, years ago, you know, we should have known this would have become a bigger issue by what happened with St. Raphael. We should have learned from that that we need to really ensure that the law protects our providers in a way that they do not lose these important institutions, okay? The main reason why St. Raphael's had to close down is because they didn't have the funding. You know, it was too much in debt. It came to the point that they had to make a decision, and unfortunately, it couldn't be carried anymore. What would have happened if they had an option to help those? And, and mind you, a lot of the reason why they incurred the expense is because they had a significant portion of patients who were long-term care, okay? They had nowhere else to go. But the problem was they did not have insurance, they did not have coverage, and so the hospital went and went and did and did, and it was nice and it was great, but nobody funded it, and now it's gone, right? So how about we learn from the past and we realize that increasing these income and asset limits will do so much good it will put the positivity back into healthcare. Let's think about it. A lot of people are afraid of healthcare right now. There's so many questions. Is COVID real? Was it fake? Did it do it to kill us all? Did they just make it up so that I'll feel scared? I mean, these are real concerns and questions. You know, don't tell me. I'm telling you. Some people don't say it out loud, right? And, you know, just knowing that you cannot qualify for assistance after you go through the whole process. I mean, I don't know if you've spoken to anybody who's applied for disability lately, but it's not exactly the easiest thing to do. I mean, my God, (laughs) you would think for what it is, it would be more um, applicant-friendly, but it's not. It's as if they want the disabled to be more disabled for them to get it. And in fact, there are still some disabilities which are not covered under right now. So you're applying for disability without knowing if you get it. Most times your first application will be denied and you hope for the best the second time. It seems to be more about persistence, less about needing the assistance, right? And that's what's happening with these this uh, income and asset limit situation, right? You would think that the lawmakers would realize, hey, at some point in my life, I might need to retire or I may know someone in my family who's going to retire and they may not have, you know, any type of healthcare options other than applying for Husky C, how would you feel to know that they have to give up everything just to qualify for that? Would you feel happy when you go to the grocery store looking at the cost of groceries? Would you feel happy when you look at, you know, what the average rent is? Would you feel confident they could do it at that point? My answer is no. Do you see how much medicine costs? the elderly and disabled, I mean, if you don't do your research, these things aren't cheap, and not all of them are fully covered, 
Some are, some aren't. And even if they are, there's a risk of, or if you can have the alternative. So say, for example, your doctor prescribes you something that's name brand, you know, or brand name. I'm from Trinidad. We talk backwards. So we don't say brand name. We say name brand. But what I'm saying is, is say you had a particular ailment, say you had a bad back and you're elderly and you need this medication for your back so that you could lay down, sit up, whatever. But your alternative is something that's generic because that's the one that's covered on the insurance. The problem is, is that you could actually have a bad reaction due to another medication you're taking. So now you're forced to have to look into another brand, but your insurance only covers but so much. Don't think that elderly and disabled people do not pay into their health care. If anything, they pay a lot of costs that go unseen. A lot of them have to deal with caretakers and caregivers and even other um, persons involved in their care who may not identify with them. Think about what our health care system would look like if there were more black and brown people in certain spaces. I mean, let's go look at our community health workers, right? I can tell you here in New Hallville, if white people start walking around here saying they're a community health worker, they'll get a nod and a smile and the door will shut. Now, if a black or brown person comes around here, you know, it's a different ambiance. It's a different presence. And that's what needs to be understood. This is why representation matters. Okay, that black or brown community health worker could also help the person identify other facets they may need assistance with that they've been struggling with for a long, long time, right? Now, going back to this thing with the income and asset limits, what's happening right now is that, you know, folks are spending down because it's not just the doctor visits that they can't afford, but it's also the medication. These medications aren't cheap. As you get older, it gets more expensive. So does the care because you're going to need more intense care. You're going to need probably more than one referral. You went from just seeing the doctor for one thing to seeing one doctor for this, a doctor for that, a specialist for this, and a support staff for that. These things cost money. Right, And when you're elderly and disabled, how much of that do you have? Let's talk about the disabled folks. It's bad enough that, again, we see all these beautiful words in Connecticut. We talk about diversity, equity, and inclusivity, but do we really mean it? It's hard enough to stay in an employment as a black or brown person. I mean, anything we say or don't say is used against us, whether it's on or off the clock, that's one. And two, you know, we're expendable. It's easy to get rid of us. They don't like promoting us. They like to get rid of us. And in that pool is also the disabled. I mean, just because someone is disabled doesn't mean they do not have skills to contribute. Some of the most notable geniuses were disabled people. You know, disability is not just physical either, right? And there's different types of disabilities, different um, degrees of disability could affect someone. And in all of this, you know, still this person, if they're able to do certain things, why are we holding them back, right? I mean, what is the point of asking the question? See, I don't like these questions on these job apps for this reason because it's used as a filtering tool, which is unfair, right? You're filtering me to see my gender. You're filtering to see my race. And then you're going to ask me if I have a disability. And you're going to use that to decipher well, how much are you going to cost me in terms of insurance? 
That's not fair, right? Add to that that, you know, somewhere along the line, and I, I, I mean, again, it baffles me. Connecticut somehow decided it didn't want to invest in its disabled population anymore. You don't see as many programs. I mean, I'll give Stop and Shop a shout out because it does stay consistent with employing disabled persons and really caring for them. But it took a while for other mega stores to do that. And this just should be something that we should encourage. And don't think because those folks get that job that there's not other jobs to get. See, that's the problem, right? That's the part you all need to understand. Think about it. If we're going to have the elderly and disabled folks working, won't they need other supports in their life? Of course. They're going to need case management. They're going to need doctors. They're going to need, um, you know, everybody, the whole team, the whole team. They're going to need peer support. They're going to need community health workers. These are all jobs. And these people will work in places that will need data analysts and an IT tech and a manager and a supervisor. So it's a chain reaction, man, right? So don't think that, you know, the disabled and the elderly, they win a magic prize. They really, really don't. If anything, they are forced to make some very hard life changes, some of which set them back into you know, realizing, yes, I am elderly. It takes away their dignity. Yes, I am disabled. It takes away their pride. Why are we doing that to each other? And why are we allowing it to happen? This is what I'm saying. I just want to know, you know, um, when are the Dems that, when are the Dems, sorry, going to step up and say to the Republicans, cut it out? And why are you so afraid to do that? Why? Why can't you learn from the other states? You've seen lawmakers in the other states getting up. Even even over there in Chicago with that big riot happening, you saw the mayor stand up and say, listen, yes, what these children did was wrong, but they're also children who were deprived of many, many things. And they're angry and they're frustrated. And they know that they, they should be getting more. Why aren't we having those conversations? Why is America, why are we allowing the Republicans to set us up for war? Why? I don't get it. I'm going to tell you something. I'll keep bringing it up because, again, to me, this is one of the um, main things on my mind, right? Like when I talk on this topic right here in Connecticut, HB 6667, we saw it play out. We saw Republicans get up and get serious about keeping guns in their houses. I mean, the shit some of these people were saying, it blew my mind. See what I did there? But the point is, is that what I'm trying to drive home, folks, we need to put pressure on these dams. We need to let them know, look, get up and stand up. Personally, I think what's going on now is an example of why we need to walk away from this two-party system. It's not serving us. It's stupid. It's not serving us because it ends up being a one-party system, right, when you think about it. Because who's really benefiting from all that I just said? Who benefits from the lack of access to opportunities and resources? Who benefits from segregation? Who benefits from all of that? Who benefits from the racism? And my question is, you know, when are our lawmakers going to say enough is enough? So I'm saying this to the Dems because 
when it's time for us to vote, and I'm, you know, I believe in voting, but you have to do your part too on all fronts and realize this is the time where you got to go hard. Don't be afraid. Cut this crap out. This bipartisan foolishness. What you're going to sing kumbaya and dance after? That's not how that goes. Okay? Again, these folks are very adamant about the society, the Republicans. They're very, very adamant about the type of society they want to sustain. We should know that and should have known that by how they control the NRA. They did not do that by mistake. That was definitely done by design. And it was allowed to grow. See, again, that's the subliminal shit I'm talking about, right? We talk about this all the time as black and brown people. And some here and some don't. Let me tell you something. If you're still on here and you want to know how to use your privilege, I'm giving you hints here. Reach out to your lawmaker. Talk about health care. Challenge them. Why are we arguing about Husky for immigrants? Are you serious? Are you for real? There should be health care for all. Why is it a question that income and asset levels need to go up? You can't be serious. Come on. We have better things we should be thinking about, if anything. Our legislative session should be talking about how do we get more money in circulation? How do we bring in some income? How do we build our economy here? That's what we should be focusing on right now. How do we ensure that these jobs are sustainable, long-lasting? How do we make sure that there's diversity, inclusivity, and equity on the job front and maintain that? How do we maintain that? Not, Not take away from it because, you see, by not increasing the income and asset level, you are taken away from the economy. Somebody is going to lose a job. A provider will have to shut its doors because when you don't have the clients to see how you're going to maintain your business, okay? Come on. To me, in my opinion, and, and please feel free to challenge me on this, by refusing to increase the income and asset level, we are actually forcing the privatization of healthcare, right? And what will add to that is when we say, oh, yeah, we're going to um, just, you know, not increase the income of asset level, uh, income and asset level. We're not going to give the immigrants healthcare either. And while we're at it, we're going to use an alternative payment method to pay our, um, you know, community health workers. What a great, horrible idea. Terrible. That is a recipe for disaster, my friend. It is a recipe. It is in the opposite direction of growth. Trust me. Because what's going to happen is, yeah, it's going to seem nice and there'll be a lot of ribbons and pictures taken and everybody smiling and everybody happy, but there will be job loss. Because when when there's a restriction, the access is limited, okay? And when there's limited access, what happens next? So there's going to have to be some decisions made. Oh, I guess we, we only need one community health worker. Oh, I guess, you know, we only have um, one person who receives Medicaid, so we don't no longer need to accept that as an insurance payment. That's how decisions are made, you know. Let me tell you, if the provider is saying that they only have so many of um, a particular you know, type of insurance being received, right? So I'll just use the example of Medicaid. A lot of providers, well, I shouldn't say a lot, let me take that, but some providers in some um, aspect, healthcare aspect, walk away from, um, you know, working at the bigger facilities to pursue private work. 
And most of them do not use state insurance, right? They don't accept it because it's a private business. Now, they walked away from the nonprofits and, you know, the hospitals to do that. So they don't fall in this category. I'm talking about the bigger institutions because when you refuse to acknowledge that this income and asset level is taken away, what's going to happen is less and less people will qualify, less and less people give a fuck about their health, and our society will slowly die away in that order. Okay, And is that what we want to see? So I challenge you on this. I, I want you to really think about it. You know, why can't we all have health care? Why is that not doable in Connecticut? Look around you. You know, Yale is building up everything and everywhere. We have a lot of health institutions and other resources here already. Why can't there be some sort of conversation in the state to address health care and, and handle this once and for all? And why can't Connecticut lead the way, man? Why is that so unheard of? You know, I mean, 2023, again, the Repub- I am not a Republican, but guess what? When they decide they, they're doing something, they stick to it wholeheartedly, and they get you all to buy into it too. And that's what's happening right now. So to the Democrats, please, we need you to do what you're there to do. We need you. If you all need to walk out the damn legislative office, do it. Let your voice be heard. You have the right to do that. But do something because you're damaging the people you care about or you say you care about. These are the people who vote you into office. Please, I am beseeching you, reconsider or at least consider. And we shouldn't even be considering. Listen, we've dropped the ball already. We keep dropping the ball. We're still talking about the the school-to-prison pipeline, but for some reasons people still want SROs in the school. Okay, we know that people are homeless, but yet we're studying rent security, rent control. Come on, we declared racism, and what did we do after that? These are just questions I have. Now, if you have any thoughts, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach out. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. You know, subscribe, like, and share this podcast, and tune in again. That's all I have for now, and if you're like me and you have bad sinuses and allergies, hang in there. I myself have been plagued all week. I sound like Ray Charles sometimes. Sometimes sometimes I have no voice at all, but it is what it is. But this is another reason why we need to secure this health care. Myself being someone afflicted by severe asthma, sinuses, and allergies, you know, I don't know what I would do without my medication, you know. I don't know what I would do without the support that I have, and to see that right now there's no um, sense of urgency to address this is scary to me because what does that mean as I get older? That's the question I have. Well, thank you for listening. I appreciate your support. Fist up, smile on. CJ.